Thanks for joining us on this week's episode of Gateway to the Smokies. This podcast is about America's most visited national park, the Great Smoky Mountains National Park and surrounding towns. This area is filled with ancient natural beauty, a deep storied history, and rich mountain cultures that we explore with weekly episodes. I am Joseph Franklin McElroy, a man of the world, but also the deep roots in these mountains. My family has lived in the Great Smokies for over 200 years. My business is in travel, but my heart is in the mountains of Smoky Mountains, North Carolina. Today, we're going to learn about the National Park from an actual park ranger. But first, I'm going to give you a little insight into some children literacy here in the mountains. So some of you might know that I have two-year-old twins. I think I mentioned that last week. Uh, but this is my second rodeo, so I also have a 28-year-old son. So I've you know, had a little bit of experience of bringing uh, kids into the Smoky Mountains. Uh, but I'll, that's another story. Right now, for my twins, I'm, I'm looking for interesting programs to have fun and educate them as well. You know, a lot of things were closed last year, but things are starting to up, uh, open up. In that spirit, I have two programs to tell you about. Uh, and one of them we're already experiencing, and one I'm anticipating experiencing. The Great Smokies Mountains National Park, in, in partnership with the University of Tennessee Extension Institute of Agriculture, and as well as the Great Smoky Mountains Association is pleased to invite visitors to experience the storybook trail of the Smokies. It's an initiative, an initiative dedicated to promoting literacy in nature. Visitors will have the opportunity to experience a Smokies themed book through trailside activities and on the trail story pages to read along the one mile Cosby Nature Trail near the Cosby Campground. It began April 3rd, but it goes through May 30th, and it also comes back in the fall. The superintendent, Cassius Cass, says it's an immersive pro approach for young readers to experience the stories of the Smokies in a way that brings them to life on the trail. Over the, this eight-week period, four different books will be highlighted for two, weeks, two week periods along the nature trail. Each of the books, aimed at various reading levels, will be accompanied by educational prompts to encourage interaction with the trail. The, the storybook trail is free to the public and accessible seven days a week. The spring books lineups include Singing Creek by Morgan Simmons, which is May 1st to the 14th, and The Troublesome Cub by Lisa Horseman, which is Horseman, which is May 15th through 30th. On the first Saturday of each book's rotation, the author will be present at the trailhead to interact with the participants. We are going to be here in North Carolina at that time, and I'm going to take my kids to one of those, I think, uh, as long as my wife agrees. <laughs> but I think she will. Another great program we've participated in for a couple of years is Dolly Parton's Imagination Library. Um, and it's dedicated to inspire love of reading by gifting books free of charge to children from birth to, from birth to age five. Inspired by her father's inability to read and write, Donna started her imagination library in 1995 for the children within the Smoky Mountain region. Today, her program spans five country and gifts over one million free books each month to children around the world. Dolly said she was inspired by her childhood. She said, when I was growing up in the hills of East Tennessee, I knew my dreams would, my dreams would come true. I know there are children in your community with their own dreams. They dream of becoming a doctor or an inventor or a minister. Who knows? 
Maybe there's a little girl whose dream is to be a writer and singer. The seeds of these dreams are often found in books, and those seeds can help you plant in your community that you help plant in your community can grow across the world. They're fine books. They're beautiful. We get them, and then we give them to uh, after our kids have looked at them, uh, and we make sure, make sure they keep them in pristine shape. We give them to other uh, children who pass them around. It's a wonderful program. So somebody knows about wonderful programs is my guest today, Arthur Butch McDade. Uh, McDade. He's uh, known as Butch, I think. And he's a retired park, park ranger with the National Park Service. He has worked at many of our national uh, parks and finished up his career working at the uh, Great Smokies National Park, where his field school programs have been extremely popular. He still conducts them as a part-time employee, employee in retirement. He is an author and he is an avid hiker who knows the park like the back of his hand. And he is an accomplished guide. Hello, Butch. Hello, Joseph. How are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. You know, uh, it's a beautiful day out there. That uh, I have a I have a beautiful back backdrop, but mine is a, is a is a is an image. Yours is live. <laughs> That's pretty nice. Yeah, these are the Smokies way out. They're the foothills, I guess you'd say. The foothills. Well, they start to be the Smokies. They're, it's a beautiful view, though. So you're a retired ranger with the Park Service. Can you tell us which park where you uh, worked, where you worked, and for how long? Yeah. Yeah. It, it, I, I started, I got 30 years in there. I, I used to not have this gray beard, but after 30 years, I got a gray beard. So I guess that's for an old ranger. But I started, Joseph, uh, down around Chattanooga, Tennessee, on a permanent job. I'm a native of Nashville, Tennessee, over there in Middle Tennessee. And my parents had taken me to the Smokies a number of times. And we'd also gone to Mammoth Cave up in Kentucky. And there was some Civil War battlefields around uh, Nashville. So I kind of grew up with going to these places often with my parents on special occasions. So I got a chance when I was living in Chattanooga to apply for a job down at a battlefield called Chickamauga and Chattanooga National Military Park. It's a Civil War battlefield, big place. And I spent five years there, another five years up on Lookout Mountain, which is a part of that battlefield. And actually before that, before I got that permanent job, I'd worked one summer out in Glacier National Park in Montana, which was incredible. Uh, here I am, a Tennessee boy. I've only seen the Smoky, which are great. I've only seen black bears, which are great. But you go out to Montana, you got the, by God, Rocky Mountains, and you have grizzly bears. <laughs> it's different. I mean, it's really different. And, of course, when you get out there, they, the, the nice rangers, you know, give you some safety information, and they stress, oh, now this is grizzly country. You know, you got to be careful. And I'm a solo hiker. I, I, I hike most of the time alone. I uh, probably shouldn't, but I do. And so I was alone in Glacier for much of the time, and but never had a problem, to be honest with you. And so I kind of dispelled that image that there's a big, bad grizzly bear waiting to kill every and eat every tourist that comes to Glacier and Yellowstone. Doesn't happen. Very, very rarely. <laughs> very rarely. Rarely. But anyway, I did start at Chickamauga uh, down in Chattanooga area, North Georgia and Chattanooga. And uh, enjoyed talking about history. I had a history major in college, so uh, I enjoyed that. But my heart was really in some of the green areas. I, I, I did spend a, another couple of years over at Shiloh Battlefield, which is in west of Nashville. And uh, from there, I went up to a place, uh, Joseph, 
on the Cumberland Plateau of Tennessee and Kentucky, a place called the Big South Fork National River and Recreation Area. It is a National Park Service site, but it was a recreation area and rec- uh, adversity. Yeah. So I was up on this place was is part of the National Park Service and rangers and other people staff it just like they do in the Smokies. But it is a recreation area, which means they allow hunting and fishing and off-road vehicles, which aren't allowed in the Smokies. But other than that, it was a lovely area, undeveloped. It got about 900,000 visitors a year versus the uh, 12 million that come to the Smokies. So there was a lot of solitude up there. And while there, I wrote a book about that area for the University of Tennessee Press, if you don't mind me showing it. No, go for it. The National Art- Natural Arches of the Big South Fork came out at about 20 years ago. Uh, on the natural features, the sandstone arches. That was fun to do on my own time. And I got the University of Tennessee Press to publish that. And so that was, that's an area that's dear to my heart, that area up on the Cumberland Plateau. It's so different than the Appalachian Mountains. Cumberland Plateau is a land of plateaus and, and uh, gorges. Uh-huh. Versus in the Smokies, you have a land of valleys and mountains. So uh-huh. they're all interesting. And then from there... From the Big South Fork, I went down to a place still in Tennessee called the Obed Wild and Scenic River, which is north of uh, Knoxville, right on the, uh, again, near the Kentucky border generally. And from there, after about five or six years, I got to go to the Smokies, which really was my destination part. Being a Tennessean, I've always thought the Smokies were my mountains. Uh-huh. I spent time here. My parents brought me here, and I live here now. I am a Tennessean, so this is my. these are my home mountains. And I'm married to a girl, a lady from Knoxville. And so we love it here. And that was the Smokies, your favorite place to work. And why you, why is it besides being your hometown? <laughs> yeah, it's a, it was a great place. Uh, I'd always wanted it because you can get everything. You got the, uh, the front country attractions, you know, if you like the, the, uh, the places to go to to eat and have residences and lodging, but you can find wilderness too. A lot of people say, oh, you can't find wilderness in the Smokies. Oh, yes, you can. Just don't go right to the center of it. Go to the edges. Go to the periphery. A lot of backcountry there. And I like that backcountry. And even if you're not a aggressive hiker, there are a lot of little small hikes you can take. Any hike, you can only go, you, you can make it as hard as you want. You can go in on a hard hike for a mile, turn back, or you can go in on a hard um, uh, trail for 10 miles. People can find their own niche in our national parks and the Smokies. Uh, even with all the people, still has a lot of solitude in addition to all the other accoutrements that we want in life or need in life. Right. There's, there is a lot of backcountry still. There's backcountry camp, camping and things like that, right, in the Smokies? Oh, yeah. 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 Got about 150 uh, trails, 900 miles, if you count everything, including the unmaintained trails. Lots of stuff. Some Some of the trails are flat. Like the Little River Trail for a while. You can go in as far as you want to. When it starts going uphill, turn back. Find your own niche. You be in shape. I always tell people, be in shape. Hike with other people. Don't go alone. Always let somebody know where you're going. But if you if you follow those few uh, safety uh, rules, which are common sense, uh, let somebody know where you're going. Be in shape. Have the right equipment. You'll you'll love it. And guess what? It's free. There's it's no free. <laughs> it's, the only, it's like the only national park that doesn't charge admission, right? Well, yeah, it's for a, a full-scale national park. Very yeah. rare to have uh, no admission fee, and that uh, that's been uh, that's been with the Smokies ever since its inception in 1934. And how long did you work for the Great Smokies uh, National Park? For the last five years of my career. 
Yeah, last five years? Yes, sir. Yeah. Uh, from 2005 up to 2010. But I had visited here, of course, since the 1950s. And my parents have pictures of us being up with a picture of the chimney tops behind us in about 1955 or six. I've been coming up here for decades, but made it, unfortunately, my last stop on a uh, 30-year career. Now, there's multiple um, you know, facilities in the park, right? Did you work at all of them, or did you have one that you were uh, associated with? No, I stayed pretty much at the Sugarlands Visitor Center, which is right there outside of uh, uh, Gatlinburg, uh-huh. about two miles south of Gatlinburg. The main, we call it, you know, there's no one main visitor center, but it certainly was had the biggest visitation. There's another one over at O'Connell Lefty and a smaller one out in Cades Cove. Uh, but I was at the Sugarlands Visitor Center my whole time, uh, which gets a lot of use. It, you know, it gets a lot of use being near Gatlinburg. So we well, were the, well. The uh, Great Smokies National Park made the mistake of making Gatlinburg the main in- entrance, right? It should have been in, in near Maggie Valley, I think. But <laughs> I, I'll let you. Uh, that's a. I'll let you have that comment. Uh, uh, that'll that'll be my argument to win, right? <laughs> All right. When we, when we come back, we'll talk about more about the, the national parks and, uh, and what you've done there and what you know. All right. Every section of the park is fabulous. This is Joseph Franklin McElroy back with the uh, Gateway to the Smokies podcast and my guest, Butch McDade. Hello, Butch. So um, I-, I wanted to ask you, after you you spent 30 years in the Park Service, last five of this was with the, the uh, uh, Great Smokies Mountains National Park. So you decided to retire and you decided to live in East Tennessee, but you could have been anywhere because you'd been traveling around a lot. Why did you decide to stay uh, in East Tennessee near the Smokies? No, it's so great. Uh, it's it's some place I want to write about. When I still, you know, I always tell people you can learn something about the Smokies all the time. You never find out everything. So having an interest in the Smokies way back, you think by now you know it all or kind of have a grasp. But every time you find something new, like they find new species, uh, you find new historical facts. Plus, it's home. I, I'm a Tennessean by birth. And as I said earlier, I've always thought the Smoky Mountains were my mountains, my mountains. I love the Rockies. Gosh, nothing more spectacular than the Rockies or the Sierra Nevadas out west. But these are home mountains. I think everybody has to have a home range, and this is my home range. There you go. Well, that's my home range, too. So we got something in common. <laughs> so, um you know, we I had a section on hiking, but I want to know from a man that's lived there, what are some of your favorite trails and places in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park? No, I love the Appalachian Trail. I like any of the high country, Mount Leconte, Chimneys, Clingman's Dome, anything along the high country. I love, you know, I love all the parks and you have to start out sometimes in low country to get up there. But boy, once you get to the 5,000 foot level, and above, Joseph, it's just so different. Yeah. First off, heck of a lot cooler up there. It hardly gets over about 80, even in the summer when we're 95 down here and the uh, edge of the Smokies, you might be, you know, upper 70s or 
low 80s up in the high country, the Smokies. So I'm really prone uh, to love the, the high country. Fortunately, in the Smokies, you know, there's a couple cheat routes where you can drive right up to Newfound Gap and be at 5,000 feet. You don't have to slug up out of the valley. And you can drive up to Cleveland's Dome if you can find a parking spot on a, particularly a, a weekend and you're already high. There's yeah. still nothing's, uh, people always say, well, once you get up there, is it flat? No. <laughs> the very top of the mountain, there's undulations. Nothing's, yeah. you know, no, there's no real flat set stretch that goes on very far in the Smokies unless it's way down in the, the lower elevations. So I'm, I'm prone to the Appalachian Trail. The trail up to say the chimney, the trail to all the five trails up to Mount LeConte, uh, going up to Clingmans, going out on the Appalachian Trail, either west or east. You just can't beat the high country. Uh, plus I love Cades Cove, the beauty of that valley. Mm-hmm. What a beautiful place. And Catalucci on your side of the mountain too, that beautiful valley of Catalucci. If you had, uh, if you had advice for a tourist, you know, this show is, you know, also trying to attract tourists. Um, uh, and they were wanting to have, and they were in for a weekend and they had one day, what would you recommend they do? Well, in the old days, the Rangers would always tell people, you got to see uh, Clingman's Dome. You got to see Cades Cove. And in the old days, they'd even say, you ought to go over to the Cherokee Indian Reservation. All those are great ideas and great destinations. I would tell people those are great destinations. Don't go on a weekend. Don't go on Saturday and Sunday. There'll be a lot of people there. Try to get a Tuesday trip into Cates Cove. Try right. to get a, a Tuesday drive up to Clingman's Dome and get early too. And you'll enjoy it. So I still like those big destination places, even though they every lots of people go there. But why not? Why wouldn't we why why wouldn't we tell a visitor to go to the to get the great view at the top of Clingman's Dome? Why not tell them send them to Cates Cove? You just have to plan that some days are going to be busy. If you wait till two o'clock in the afternoon, it's always going to be busy. You get out there right when, you know, at daybreak when they open up Cades Cove, except on the days when they close it for bikes and do a weekday trip. You'll find that with a little patience. And that's one thing about all our national parks. I've been to Grand Tetons. I've been to Yellowstone and they were backed up cars. Mm-hmm. It's not specific to the Smokies. These places are our national treasures. Sure, people are going to come there. Just try to plan it on a day when there'll be um, less people and get an early start. Is there and, any? Is there anything on a Saturday that you think would be uh, less traveled that'd be worthwhile? That you would say, go okay. see this. Yeah, there's still some places I'd go up to Cosby on the Tennessee side, Cosby facility at Cosby. There's some trails there like the Henwalla Falls and uh, and other trails, and I'd go over to Big Creek on your side. I'd take a trip into Catalucci on a, on a, maybe on a Saturday, that road, that gravel road in there doesn't get as crowded, but even then get an early start. I'd I'd go into places like uh, if you can make it go all the way over to 20 mile. Uh, My point is go to the periphery of the park. Right. Edges and do a little map study, get your facts, you know, learn your routes and go with a group of people. But I never shy away from saying, don't come there on a Saturday. I wouldn't go to some of the more popular spots on a Saturday uh, because there'll be uh, lots more people and, and, you, and the quality of your visit might suffer. Right. But all you can do, if that's all you can do a Saturday to go to where you want to go, just be patient. Always come to the Smokies and all our national parks with patience on your uh, side and you'll enjoy it. 
So you, um, you, you have been involved with the Smoky Mountain Field School. Field School. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, I've probably had about a 12-year uh, uh, relationship with the University of Tennessee's Smoky Mountain Field School. They started that school back in 1975, so it's been around a while. And its goal is to bring people into the Smokies with knowledgeable guides who will discuss the history of the, of the Smokies in the Southern Appalachians. Uh, they will discuss the natural history in addition to the human history. They'll discover some places of historic value and scenic views, talk about science in the park. It is a very, uh, it is a classroom in essence, a field school. And they've been true to that ever since they started. I got involved by being invited, my wife and I, Lila Wilson, we, we were invited uh, eight years ago, 10 almost, to lead for five years. We led a Smoky Mountain Field School October hike up to the lodge atop look, uh, Mount LeConte, the LeConte Lodge. And it was great. We usually had about 20 people who had signed up through the Smoky Mountain Field School's uh, web page, which is, again, you can Google it by just doing Smoky Mountain Field School, and then they'll have a agenda. There are classes that are available, and you can online register. So I was doing one with my wife for five years or so, uh, going up to Mount Lacan in October, which was fantastic. We even got snowed, snowed in a couple of times yeah, <laughs> in October. And then I also do an annual Elkmont tour, the historic Elkmont district for the Smoky Mountain Field School. I've been doing that for over a decade, man, which is always exciting because I love that history. I'm a historian, history major, and a historian uh, is my ilk. And also I do, I'm going to have another one coming up this year in September uh, for the Smoky Mountain Field School, which is a hike out to the Walker Sisters home site in Little Greenbrier section of the park. And that's always, I've been doing that for about a decade also. So basically Elkmont uh, hike every, every year, five years leading the uh, overnight hike up to Mount LeConte to LeConte Lodge with my wife and then doing uh, uh, the Walker Sisters several times, including this coming September. And everybody can, uh, join in by going to, I think it's like www.smokesmfs.org. Just do a search and you can register online and see the schedule, see what's coming up. What are the kind of topics? What kind of topics? Uh... They have things on bear, bear management, bears, deer management, uh, the geography, the geology of the park, the biodiversity. Uh, there must be probably Joseph in their before COVID, last year, we really, the Smoky Mountain Field School had to stop most of their outings until I think probably the latter part of the year. But there's probably, I'm going to guess, 60 different topics ranging from salamanders to biology, botany, cultural history, architectural history, and even hiking, just recreational opportunities, how to hike safely. The whole range of, of activities in the Smokies, the whole range of Topics are covered by that program. What's your is, favorite topic? Well, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm, I'm pretty much a, a Mount LeConte guy. As I said earlier, I, I gave up that hike to a younger person, a buddy of mine. But if I could do it over again, if I was younger, I would continue to do that Mount LeConte overnighter, which I think they, during COVID, they may have canceled that temporarily. So that, again, I would caution people to check with their website. But I also like Elkmont. 
And I've also done one other favorite hike uh, and topic of mine, Joseph, is uh, a, a, a hike and a talk about uh, Horace Kephart, one of the great writers of the Smokies, who wrote uh, a number of good books. If I might just show one, I have it here. Yeah. Our, our Southern Highlanders. If anybody wants to read a great book on the Smokies written in 1913 and still in print today, read Horace Kephart's Our Southern Highlanders. Read his Camping and Woodcraft, which came out in 1906 and still in print. I've had the occasion of taking numbers of people in on hikes in Deep Creek and other places in the, uh, where Kephart had uh, some of his activities as he lived in and around this area prior to the National Park. I've even had the great honor of going into some of those places, which are today inside the park, with his great-granddaughter named Libby Kephart Hargrave. Got to explore a number of places with her and she is one of the great biographers and documentarians of her uh, ancestor and has kept that Horace Kephart tradition alive. And uh, there are quite a few people out there who really admire Horace Kephart and his life and his work for the Smokies. Because he did a lot to help protect this park, even though he was an outsider. He was not from here. So it's a fascinating topic. That's one of my favorites, too. He's, so, he's like considered like the grandfather or something of the Smoky Mountain Park or some sort of thing like that. He's like the. Yeah. He's one of, yeah, I'd say he's one of the beacons, one of those grand figures in the early days prior to the park. Actually, he died in 1931. So he the park was established in 34, but he knew it was coming. It was authorized. He saw it was coming and he spent his whole life here. He, uh, he lived uh, in the Smokies in places like Hazel Creek in Bryson City and in the Deep Creek area. The North Carolina side particularly was his uh, bailiwick. And he gave us these early books that talked about the pre-National Park people. That's the value. In addition to that, he was a fascinating outdoorsman. He was a master of equipment and how to handle it and how to use it. And that's his book here, Camping and Woodcraft, which even though it was printed in 1906, and some of it is outdated as far as the modernity of the new equipment, this is a Bible for the outdoors. People ought to read it. They sell these books, Camping and Woodcraft, Our Southern Highlanders, and even a new biography on Horace Kephart, and even Libby Kephart's uh, documentary on uh, our ancestor. They sell those items in our visitor centers in the park. So go by the visitor center, ask those people, what do you have on Horace Kephart? You'll find there's some great stuff, and it's well worth reading and watching, and any purchases you make help the National Park through the Great Smoky Mountains Association, which you had uh, uh, Francis Feigert on last week. She did a great job of yeah. explaining fine agency. So when we come back, I'm going to talk, we're going to talk more about your liter literary adventures as well as your knowledge of just the area in general. This is Joseph Franklin McElroy, Gateway to the Smokies podcast with my guest, Butch McVeigh, who is a retired park ranger and expert on the Smoky Mountain area. So, Butch, you know, we've talked we talked about uh, the, the Great Smoky Mountains, but, you know, I like a lot of other uh, places, you know, in the mountains. Like, I like the Pisgah National Forest, and I like to go over the Natahale and do some rafting. What yeah. are some of the other places you like in the Smoky area in, in terms of natural wonders? Well, you just hit upon it. There are some great places. You know, the Smokies has uh, uh, 500,000 acres over that. And then we've got the Pisgah National Forest nearby. 
We've got the uh, Nantahala National Forest nearby, and we've got the Cherokee National Forest all adjacent to the Smokies. So like you're just alluding to, my goodness, that's, that's a couple million acres of public land. So in addition to the Smokies, you can go to places like Roan Mountain up here in East Tennessee, above Johnson City, to the east of Johnson City, and near on the west of Boone, and fabulous area. You can go paddling in different places like south of us. There's the Okoy River down in Polk County, Tennessee. I worked a couple of seasons as a guide there. Lovely stuff. You got the Pigeon River here. You got the Nantahala River. We got the Hiawassee River down below. We got the various other rivers north of us, like the Nalachucky and the Old Bed Wild and Scenic River, the Big South Fork. This is a, like you're alluding to, Joseph, we're in a mecca of outdoor activities here with several million acres, and I mean million acres of public lands available to the public for mountain biking, for fishing, for hunting, for hiking. So my favorites, again, as you just said, are some of the high countries, like it over there around Grandfather Mountain, like it over there by Mount Mitchell State Park, like it off the Blue Ridge Parkway in places like Shining Rocks Wilderness. I like it down south of us at a place called the Big Fog, Big Frog Nash, uh, Wilderness Area, City Cove Wilderness Area, south of the Smokies. It's, it's, it's a lifetime of activity. I mean, if you want to get into the outdoors, uh, yeah. you, can find it here. you can find it here. There are guidebooks. Read those books. Go with get in get in touch with people in a hiking club that can get you started. The Mountain Hiking Club out of Knoxville, the uh, Asheville Hiking Club. The high country around here is lovely. Yeah, much of it is free. The national forest lands usually are free. Park in the Smokies is free, except for overnight backpacking. All you have to do is invest in some good equipment. Old horse, <laughs> old Horace Kephart would tell us. Go to the mountains, but also have some good equipment and know how to have some good good shoes <laughs> and, and plenty of water. Yeah, extra water, extra food, and some rain gear. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The, that's a, that's a, that's a. You know why it's called the Smokies because the humidity. And while yeah. we don't rain all day, every day, many days. I mean, it's very seldom that we get a day where you rain all day long. But you usually will get a during the summer, especially you'll usually get an hour of rain. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 85, 80 inches of rain up on the, the high country, like the Clingman, the Dome, yeah. into the valley, like at Cherokee, you might get 45 inches. So it does get more uh, snow and precipitation and rain up there. But just be prepared for it. Remember that old Boy Scout and Girl Scout uh, slogan, be prepared. That, that's good right. stuff. And that's you know, good. one of my, my favorite places to take kids, to talk, speaking of the Scouts, I remember this. Is is to go uh, up to Sliding Rock, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah. is like a, what is it, like a hundred feet of a, a waterfall that's not like a, a direct drop. It's like a hundred feet slanted drop, and it's been worn so slit sl- so smooth that you can just get on it, and the water will just take you on a slide into a deep pool. And the kids just love it. I've seen yeah. pictures. We have not gone over there, but I understand it's very crowded on weekends. But it. Looks like a heck of a lot of fun. A, well, you go up uh, that I think it's two seventy six from Waynesville all the way to Hendersonville, and yeah. it goes up this little winding road through forests, and it's very backwoods. And then you go. I think there's a couple places along the way, but Slide Rock is one. So yeah. Yeah, there, there's like all these little hidden gems, little waterfalls, things like that that you can find all over. Be safe around those places. Uh, you know, you can get hurt sliding off rocks and stuff. And most waterfall areas are. Are pretty prone to getting hurt 
But I, yeah. I know I know the Forest Service, I think, allows that uh, that use there. So as long as you're in harmony with all the the uh, uh, land agency management yeah. regulations and be careful, enjoy. I think Sliding Rock is designated as being uh, something that people can do, and, they, and they've made it pretty safe. Cool. Yeah. Well, besides the, the wilderness, what are, your fla- what are your favorite towns to go visit? What are your favorite things not in the wilderness to go do in the Smoky area? No, we like towns and over here. My wife and I, we go over there a lot, bicycle ride on that uh, about 11-mile road, uh, I should say paved path. I don't get much on the main roadways with bikes. That's kind of dangerous. But it is lovely over in towns in the area. I like uh, the area around Asheville. You guys in Asheville have a great town. We like uh, Boone, North Carolina. I like up there at uh, Hot Springs, North Carolina, off the Appalachian Trail. That's a nice little town. We like the Nantahala area. I do a lot of, uh, used to do a heck of a lot of boating. Still do some canoe trips and do some rafting trips. Can't beat the Nantahala uh, in the Nantahala National Forest. A bunch of outfitters there you can get a trip on. So anywhere that's not too crowded, but scenic and that you can come on every day of the week, not just on weekends. Again, I try to stay away from weekends uh, for much of a, our destination because of the crowds. But boy, mm-hmm. Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday, before everybody arrives for the weekend, you can have you can enjoy the heck out of these yes. places. Just be safe in anything in the background. Let people know where you are. Be careful. Watch for dangers. And um, take that extra food and extra uh, clothing if you're going to the wilderness. And just be safe. Carry a first aid kit and learn how to use it. And uh, be prudent. Prudent. So you are a good writer. You've already mentioned a book, right? You mentioned one book, uh, but you've written quite a, a number of books, haven't you, and articles. What, uh, tell us a little bit about those. Yeah, well, I, thank you, Joe. I did this first book, uh, oh, God, way back in the 90s. It's called Old Smoky Mountain Days, and it's an anthology, a little survey of the writings of a guy I just mentioned a moment ago, Horace Kephart, who wrote those fine early books about outdoor life and the Smokies. I profile him and his fascinating life, not only in the Smokies, but in the wilderness of other places. And also profile in this little book, the uh, great work of a man named Joseph Sargent Hall. I've written some articles about him. Here's an article I wrote. There's a picture of Joe Hall. He was, he came here in the 1930s as a temporary employee during the Great Depression. And he started to interview the mountain people, some of the people that were still in the, in the Smokies before they were moved out, and some that had just been moved out. And his goal was to interview these mountain people, these Smoky Mountain people on both the North Carolina and the, North, and the Tennessee side, and get their stories and let them talk and, and hear their voices. He actually recorded these people on portable tape recorders that he took into the back, into the, into the back roads of the Smokies. And we have those recordings still today. They're in the park in the archives, and they're up at the Smithsonian Institution and in the Library of Congress. So we have real Smoky Mountain people on tape from the 1940s, particularly done by this man named Joseph Sargent Hall. So I profiled him because he is really the pioneer linguist and folklorist of the Smokies. And he was doing this work way back in the 30s. And he kept coming back here, even though he lived much of his life in California as a college professor. He kept coming back here, fascinated by the mountain people and their language. And then I profiled, uh, lastly, but not least in this book, a man from Knoxville, Tennessee, a lawyer, 
uh, University of Tennessee graduate who became a lawyer, but who became a great leader in wilderness conservation, a guy named Harvey Broom. Harvey Broom's not that well known, sadly. I, I think he merits more consideration from our our, uh, our, our our viewership and our readership. But he was a fascinating fellow. He helped found the Wilderness Society, which is a major national conservation outfit. He helped found the uh, Smoky Mountain Hiking Club. He was an inveterate hiker along with his wife, Anne, and they loved the Smokies. And he wrote some fabulous books that were published after his his death, mainly from his notes and from his journal, one of which I recommend to everybody. In addition to reading the books of Horace Kephart, I recommend a book called Out Under the Sky of the Great Smokies, which is a mountain journal published after the author's death. And the author was none other than Harvey Broom, B R O. O-M-E. And it's a fascinating personal perspective on the Smokies. So check. Yeah, people should check the literature of the Smokies out. There's a lot of books out there, a plethora of them, but you can't go wrong by reading Horace Kephart's works, Harvey Broom's works, and uh, Laura Thornburg, and many others. Those early books give us a, a flavor for what the Smokies were like, say, in the 40s and 50s, and how we interpreted them at that time. Now, you also uh, contributed to a book about the Appalachians, right? Yes, sir, I did. I, I, I happen to have it right here. It's All right. The Encyclopedia of Appalachia, big, thick tome put out by the University of Tennessee Press. So I didn't write all of this, Joe. I just wrote a part of it. <laughs> <laughs> but there were a number of co- collaborators uh, or contributing writers. I was invited to participate in th- this uh, in the early 2000s, and I wrote several a handful of entries on, on this tome, and it is a tome, which is a, a real comprehensive guide to the history of the Ap- Southern Appalachia and the literature of the, of the Southern Appalachia region and the recreational activities. My contributions were mainly on the recreational themes of mountain biking, hunting and fishing, and whitewater. So uh, that's, those are my interests. Uh, my main interest is conservation history. I'm, I'm fascinated by what happened here in the Smokies, how we got a national park, mainly because North Carolina people and mainly because Tennessee people wanted a park, not some federal bureaucrat in, in Washington. Local people wanted this park. Local people put up much of the money. Local people, states bought the land. North Carolina, Tennessee bought a lot of the land. And the feds came in and managed it. So it's a great conservation victory. I also always say to this, even though we got a national park, which is the most visited in the nation, Joseph, we also have to always take our hat off, and I'm doing it right now, to the mountaineers of North Carolina and Tennessee who had to leave when the park was established. We owe those people a lot. They had to give up mm-hmm. their farm. I think you would agree as a local person, North Carolinians gave up a lot. Tennesseans gave up a lot to move mm-hmm. out. And, and don't forget the Cherokee had to give up as well. Yeah, they, and they had to. They had, uh, you know, they had uh, lands and things like that, and, and they also had to contribute to it as well. Indeed. So um, when we come back, we'll talk about the future uh, and what's coming up for you in the park. This is Joseph Franklin McElroy back with the Gateway to the Smokies podcast and my guest, Butch McDade of uh, 
the park of the a retired park ranger with the Great Smoky Mountains National Park, uh, and also an author of many great books and articles. So, um, Butch, before we get into the future, I was quickly, I was doing some research on you and I came across an article that I couldn't read, but it really it was interesting to me. It looked like you had, were, had done something cleaning the marker, uh, the, the marker of the wandering boy. And I was wondering what that was. Yeah, yeah. That was an interesting, uh, I've been fascinated by that young man named Ed McKinley. It's uh, one of those uh, sad stories of the Smokies of a young boy who uh, vanished, basically died trying to go over the mountains uh, in, in the early uh, 1900s. And he got caught in a snowstorm and died. And nobody could identify this kid until about 1975 when his sister, his younger sister, made an inquiry to the park ranger, a buddy of mine, a man I knew before he died, named Glenn Cardwell at Sugarlands Visitor Center. 1975, this young lady comes in, or I guess she wasn't young then, she's middle-aged, and she asked the rangers there, did they have any records of her brother? And the rangers at that time said, well, when did it occur? And they said, was well, in the early, about 1912 to 15. That's what she told them. And they said, well, we don't have those records here because the park didn't come into being until 1934. So that young lady was about ready to leave, or that lady, but one of the rangers said, uh, hold on a minute. Let me check with one of the long-standing rangers here, who was a man named Glenn Cardwell. And Glenn was from this area. Glenn had worked his whole career, 34 years, in the Sugarlands Visitor Center. And to make a long story short, this woman uh, articulated what had happened to her brother from what she knew. And that led Glenn Cardwell, this ranger, to call around to some of the people he knew uh, particularly a, a lady named Lucinda Ogle in Gatlinburg. And to make a long story short, by getting together with the sisters and getting together with these people in Gatlinburg who were from that community of the Sugarlands, they finally resolved that this young man who had been buried in an unmarked grave for 60 years was indeed the brother, the woman that came in. Wow. It was a great closure. That's a great story. I'd also, I, I think you, uh, I don't want to, we can't get into it. We don't have time, but I think you, that ranger you actually wrote about, and he's the man that never got mad, right? I, I thought that was a, a beautiful yes. a testament to him. Fine fellow. Um, yeah, so people can look online to find out more about that. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so do you have any upcoming literary projects you'd like to tell us about? Well, yeah, thank you. I do have, I write, uh, I uh, help contribute to a, a Great Smoky Mountain Association blog that Frances Feigert puts out called Smokey's Live. In fact, I got one that she and her good people put out today, an uh, article, short article I wrote about John Muir and his conservation legacy. People can find that on the Great Smoky Mountains Association webpage under the heading of Smokey's Live, which is a online uh, magazine for articles. So I work with uh, Francis on on a, um, a monthly blog, a monthly post. Also, by the way, if I mention one other thing about the Great Smoky Mountain Association, in addition to working with the Smoky Mountain Field School, I've done a number of hikes over the years with Great Smoky Mountain Association, taking their members into backcountry sites and on historical tours. So I want to mention that, uh, having worked with a number of people in Great Smoky Mountain Association on getting their members out. And always, those have always been fun too. Well, that's one of the benefits of membership. I, I don't think we even talked about that last week, but the benefit of membership is to get those uh, tours and hikes so with the very experienced guides like yourself. So I think that's fabulous. Yeah. And I also, I also work, uh, do a number of articles 
I'm a, I'm a contributing writer to a magazine in your backyard over there in Waynesville called Smoky Mountain Living. The fine oh, yeah. yeah, Jonathan Austin and his good folks, they put out a great magazine every, uh, every two months. And it is timely. It's got features on the cultural heritage, shopping, places to go to. My, my contributions have been mostly in the historical realm on the history of this area. I'm going to be doing one. Uh, just got a project from them about uh, Frederick Law Olmsted and his work on the Biltmore uh, estate in Asheville. That's going to be a fine project. So I work with that magazine quite a bit. And I'm also a contributing writer pretty regularly to a magazine called The Tennessee Conservationist out of Nashville. So I stay relatively busy. So I'm working Sounds right now. like it. Yeah. yeah. So um, if people want to get hold of your books, well, they can go to Amazon, right? Yeah, most of them are on Amazon. That's the best way. You can go to University of Tennessee Press or Amazon or Aid Books and get that national. And, and they're under your your formal name, which is uh, which took me a second to figure out. It's not Butch McDade. It's Arthur 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 McDade. <laughs> I'm an Arthur. I'm yeah. an Arthur. In trouble, uh, but it is Arthur McDade. A R T H U R. Now, do you have a website or a way people can uh, reach out and say hey? I, I do not have a website per se. I do uh, post a, or I have a uh, page called Smokey's Guide, uh, Smokey's Guide, which uh, people can comment on. Uh, I even posted this podcast today. So if anybody has any uh, concern, uh, questions, please uh, post on a comment and, and I'll be glad to get up with them. That's smokiesguide.com or is that Facebook page? It's a Facebook. Yeah. It's a Facebook page. All right. Great. Well, we've run out of time. I've got, I've got to mention a few other sponsors, but uh, I really appreciated you coming on today. It's been wonderful. Your books will be up also uh, with Amazon links on our websites, uh, which I'll mention in just a second. And uh, and I hope to meet you when I maybe meet you when I come down there. All right, let's do that. Another good Irishman, McElroy. There you go. <laughs> so, so this. Um, this podcast is on the talkradio.nyc network. There's a lot of great, um, um, a lot of great um, uh, podcasts on this network. I would, I'm, I would appreciate it if you go and listen to one. There's one after this uh, program that explores New York City, so you can go from the urban, uh, from the rural to the urban. Uh, to find out uh, wonderful things to do. This uh, podcast, you can find out more information about this podcast by going gateway to the smokies.fun, uh, which has a subscription to our newsletter. It will allow you to know when new things are coming up and that when new episodes are coming up uh, and where we also have links to various books of our guests and things like that. I, w- I want you to imagine a place evocative of the motor courts of the past, yet modern and vibrant with a chic Appalachian feel, a place for adventure and for relaxation. Imagine a place where you can fish in a mountain heritage trout streams, grill the catch on a fire, and eat accompanied by fine wine or craft beers. Imagine a place with old-time music and world cultural sounds. There's no other place like the Meadowlark Motel in Maggie Valley, North Carolina, and it's in the gateway to the Smokies. We are the spark, we are the starting point for all your Smoky Mountain adventures, and your Smoky Mountain adventure starts with where you stay. Another sponsor is SmokiesAdventure.com, which is an event information listing site for the Smokies, where you can find information about hiking and weddings, venues, and other great things to do. And it's SmokiesPluralAdventure.com. And you can go there and also sign up for a newsletter uh, and find uh, places to stay and places and things to do. I want to thank you. We're having a a great guest next week. 
on this podcast. It's the same time, Tuesdays from 6 to 7, and we'll be exploring other aspects of the Great Smoky Mountains. Uh, And it's been good talking to you today. Thank you.